Hello and welcome to Leviathan News. Summer is over, guys, and we're on to fall. And the big story yesterday was that the SEC delayed its decision on <clears throat> several Bitcoin ETFs, including from BlackRock, Fidelity, Wisdom Tree, Bitwise, Vanek, Invesco, and Valkyrie until mid-October. Uh, the delays had been widely expected, but uh, some people thought that we might have seen some sort of uh, change in the SEC's tune after its loss in the Grayscale case this week. So Are they it, really so nimble. <laughs> so uh, the commission said that uh, it found it appropriate to designate a longer period with with to take action uh, on the proposed rule, so that it has sufficient time to consider the proposed rule change and the issues raised therein. Right. So. Uh, obviously Bitcoin price fell in the news. We're down that, that little pump that we had earlier in the week because of the grayscale decision completely sold off and we're back to where we are down for the week. So is what it, yeah, is what it is. Nothing really to be expected more to be expected from the SEC really, um, based on their positioning and the continuous uh, cancellations or, or denials that they've given to these uh, Bitcoin ETFs over the past decade. How long are stuff going to be delayed now? Uh, is it known already? So I believe there's 45 days for comment period. So essentially they're opening up a comment period now. There's 45 days for that. And then they'll have another 45 days for a decision. So we probably will see something towards the end of the year. Uh, Gonna be an interesting uh, Q1 uh, 2024. Yeah, actually, hopefully. <laughs> uh, so, we also had Robinhood that said on Friday it had entered into a share repurchase agreement with the United States Marshal Service for six hundred and five point seven million dollars to buy back stock from SBF in the wake of FTX's collapse. So. The shares of Robinhood were seized and transferred to the custody of the U.S. government after <clears throat> FTX collapsed last year. And the uh, they said that the, the sale of 55.3 million shares at a $10.96 had been approved by the U.S. government and they would be taking them back. And then I believe all this cash is probably going back to uh, FTX creditors. Uh, but it's a little unclear. I mean, if the U.S. government is selling seized assets, then it's probably going back to you, you creditors, which is good. It's quite a lot of money, actually. Um, and yeah, so then we've got kind of like two stories here. So the first one uh, that kind of is relevant because token 2049 is coming up is that uh, Singapore is rolling out measures that is going to allow a lot of services like stablecoin issuance and uh, you know retail access and stuff. But there's some of the strictest regulations in the entire world uh, and companies have been, and DAOs have kind of like been looking at this as a, as a way to uh, establish themselves in Singapore. Um, it's a little so, confusing, isn't it? I mean, not confusing, mm -hmm. I guess, but because uh, Singapore is all notoriously like always had like very strict regulations for its civilians. 
um, boomers would remember like a case a long time ago when like a U.S. citizen like accidentally like was, I think, chewing gum in an area where that wasn't allowed and got caned. Yes. Yeah, I remember that. So, Singapore uh, seems very weird to me, to be honest. So you have to get a license actually to operate inside the company. And the Monetary Authority of Singapore has only approved a limited number of these. And uh, these, you know, they're, they're taking comments from the public. They're also going to be implementing more initiatives uh, starting from the end of the year. And uh, once enacted, it's going to have the strictest regulatory regime in the world governing retail access to cryptocurrency. Yeah. I mean, it sort of makes me think of the bit license in the United States and New York, where like New York put this like very onerous regime in. And certainly at the time, like I and a lot of people thought it was going to be the end of crypto in New York. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, paradoxically, or maybe because of the strong regulations, like it's actually thriving, right? Like Uniswap's based there. A lot of DeFi companies based there. Sam, you're based in New York. <laughs> like, What's the scene look like on the ground? Yeah, so uh, in New York, yeah, I don't. Which one is closest comparable we have to Singapore? Yeah, I don't go outside. I don't go outside. I don't talk to people, so I just uh, <laughs> sit inside my house all day. You talk to and us. I, uh, so, uh... I talk to people online. Honestly, you know, if uh, who needs to go outside and seek real in-person contact when you have great Telegram friends? Oh, a counterpoint would come from DeFi Advisory. You've been out of the house the last five streams in a row. What's it like outside? Oh, uh, What's grass feel like? Quite <laughs> refreshing. Not necessarily grass, but you know, the outside world, the sky, all that kind of uh, natural stuff. It's quite good, to be honest. Like, uh, I gotta say, I like it. Yeah. Uh, but this kind of like ties in with another story that you wanted to talk about, which is that China has where Chinese courts have recognized virtual assets as protected property, despite the crypto ban. Yeah, it's so, so interesting. So, um, <laughs> you know, def uh, basically like Hong Kong and Singapore are essentially in competition for each other, with each other for which is going to be the biggest like crypto hub, uh, financial hub in Asia. So it almost seems like if Singapore puts in like extremely onerous regulations that uh, might cause all the activity to move to Hong Kong, um, but then I have trouble like wrapping my head around it because China's banned Bitcoin, but at the same time it's protected. So is this like a way of like luring people out to like be like, oh, look, see, I've got Bitcoin. It's legal. And then throwing them in jail because the other side of the loss is illegal. Like, yeah. So what happened was the Chinese court declared that virtual assets, including cryptocurrencies and NFTs, are legal properties protected by law. The ruling was made by Shanghai High People's Court. In a case involving a dispute over the ownership of Bitcoin, uh, the court found that Bitcoin has economic value and can be used as a store of value, making it a form of property. And uh, it's pretty significant as the legal state of, of crypto inside of China had been questionable. And this decision could pave the way for wider acceptance of cryptocurrencies inside the country. Um, yeah. We have to get yeah. Nephi Cheetah on to talk about the situation. Uh, so we got a couple more things of like non-DeFi news. Last one, I th we got two more things to talk about. Well, three actually. So uh, I didn't know this, but apparently by Lira's TYRB, a Turkish Lira derivative, it has become the world's largest stable coin that isn't the dollar, which is really kind of crazy because, you know, there's like Euro E out there and a few other ones. 
but you know, apparently there's liquidity for this TYRB. I've never seen this before, Garrett. Have you? Yeah, so I've been trying to dig into this and understand the situation. Uh, it's a little complicated because even DeFi Llama doesn't have Tribe listed on DeFi Llama. Uh, and DeFi Llama, of course, is like my go-to source for stats. Um, but you know, diving into it, like I don't exactly know where what other chain it exists on. There's about $40 million worth of this uh, Tribe on Ethereum. And according to the CoinGecko uh, market capitalization, it is about $125 million total tribe is out there um now what's kind of interesting about this is that uh tribe is like the worst possible stable coin that you might own uh, because the turkish lira is like competing with the argentinian peso for like the most devalued currency in the planet um this is if you you know chose to convert your money into tribe uh and just hold it just to see what was going on like you had it's trading like you know one of our favorite DeFi tokens over the past year just down 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 um, inflation is a huge problem in Turkey. So uh, like Argentina, there's a lot of people that that do turn to cryptocurrency. Um, so crypto usage in like countries of high inflation is very common. I have to imagine that a lot of the people are like taking their local lira, converting it into uh, this tribe and then using the tribe to sell out to like literally anything else, probably a lot of dollar coins. Um, yeah, so let's talk about the whole... Uh, uh, the market cap's like 40 million which is surprising. Are there no other stable coins that have a market cap bigger than 40 million that aren't the dollar? The next highest one uh, would be the Euro Tether. And if you look at the list of CoinGecko's like top stable coins, the Euro Tether like barely, it's, uh, it's 14th. It's got a $223 million market cap. And how much does the tribe uh, have in total? The I don't, according well, to CoinGecko, like 140 million. I don't believe this one because, like, look, th this is here's Euro C, right? The Euroc, which has a fully diluted market cap of 53 million and a circulating supply of 49 million. And but also, that's on know. Ethereum. Like, it might know, be but another chain. Like Bitlira, so Bitlira does have a billion circulating supply, but you know, the, the price of the Lira is three cents. And <laughs> There's a fully diluted valuation of, of 39 million. So I don't understand what they're talking about. Like when we look at this uh, holders tab, like the the top three holders of the Lira here control what, like close to, uh, what is that, like 30, 30, 30, like 90% of all the TYRB is in three, three accounts. I'm a little suspect about this story. It and seems like some PR. As this PR has been story. doing the run-up, uh, run a lot of people have been saying there's something funky about this. So uh, you know, I wouldn't encourage anybody to try and buy the dip on Tribe at the moment, uh, thinking that might go up. It's entirely possible. They say it's completely backed and that it's all like you know, every Tribe is backed by a Lira in the bank. I'm not sure if I necessarily believe it. Yeah, I don't I don't. I don't know about yeah, that. but uh, even if it is backed, you know, probably it doesn't uh, really he helps it yeah. much with the situation of the Turkish lira. Yeah. But, you know, Do you know what the there's so, there's so much commerce going on in uh, like Turkey? Turkey is like uh, I don't know how much uh, people in the US uh, even know that, but uh, Turkey is a very important uh, financial force, and uh, so much stuff is uh, being uh, manufactured uh, there and produced there, both uh, in like. Uh, 
<laughs> like all kinds of stuff, like hard stuff, like uh, even electricity, uh, like uh, equipment and stuff like that, but also a lot of uh, food. So maybe there's like a new way to like, you know, maybe people uh, like painting each other like, uh, you know, in a, like, I don't know if it's like, but maybe in some cases they rather uh, like, I can understand why there's some kind of market for a coin like uh, TRYB. Because maybe it's just very useful for uh, people, you know, with actual use case, not like, uh, you know, uh, an investment or anything like that. And I agree to your point, uh, with your point earlier, uh, Gerrit, most of them probably pretty much immediately dump it for uh, a, a, a dollar uh, pegged stable coin or, uh, you know, ETH or whatever. No one will hold it like uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense to hold the uh, tribe. Hey, you know what the number one exchange for a tribe was? What? FTX. FTX. Oh, yeah? So doesn't add anything to its credibility, in my opinion. I don't understand where they get these these figures. Okay, so here's the here's the figures. <laughs> Sam Bankman Fried's spreadsheet, probably. <laughs> Wait, but is this is this up to date? What what day is this? This is August 31st, right? And they're like at a market cap of 170 million, Tribe is actually the second largest non-USD stablecoin in the world. Uh Oh, so your T would be number one, but 400 million tokens of, they only sold $36 million. Um, can we talk about, can we talk about this foreign exchange stuff for a second? Like, uh, why don't the euros like the euro? Like there's just such tepid demand for it across all of DeFi. What's going on? Like, have you gotten any sort of sense of this? Um, maybe because EU is a declining global power. No, but they have they they should have decent liquidity. I I don't like they, there's four hundred million dollars worth of euro tether. Like, why? Like the dollar stable coins are like like ninety ninety five percent of all supply in this space. Probably because yeah, if you're yeah, a so. Euro poor, you will you crave to have a dollar. Probably the Euro poor is definitely. So how strong the dollar actually is, to be honest, in people's minds at least, like uh, people just prefer it. Simple as I've that. Got a huh? colleague in Turkey. I'm going to try and book to get in the show next week to see if we can make sense of this tribe situation. Well, I think I would happily take tribe as a as a borrow asset. Like if I want to buy tribe and like just sell it. Or sorry, borrow tribe. If somebody wants to like lend me tribe, so I can sell it and I'll give it back to you in a year when it's declined by fifty percent. Uh, maybe we can have some discussions, especially if I can get some decent interest rates. Yeah, maybe that exists on Tron for all we know, and maybe that's why it's going wild. So, yeah, it is a little strange. I, I, I'm a little. I'm just like I didn't know that there was this much of of this tribe, right? Like the Euro T Euro V1. Um, interesting. But well, where is it all? So there's only like 40 million on CoinGecko. Where's the rest? Is it on, is it on Tron? It must be on Tron somewhere. Honestly, it's, it's gotta be right. It's gotta be. Yeah, it's gotta be like it, it's, it's Binance, Huobi and one other person is definitely Tron. Um, so we'll go do some investigating. We're all really surprised about this. Um, Let's see if I can get my Turkish friend on uh, 
on the cast next week to talk about it. Yeah. So uh, Swift announces, uh, let's see, successful transfer of tokenized value across multiple blockchains using Chainlink. CCIP. Starting to work. CCIP. But this is Swift. This is like, this is what all the XRP bros talk about. So Swift and Chainlink successfully transferred some tokenized value across multiple blockchains. Uh, if you don't know, Swift is a global payments network that connects banks and other financial institutions. And uh, Chainlink is Chainlink. It's an Oracle network. So in, this, in the experiment, Swift used Chainlink's CCIP, cross-chain interoperability protocol, to connect with different blockchains. And it was successful in transferring some tokens. And this is significant as it could pave the way for wider use of institutional, or not even like institutional or bank use of, of tokenized assets uh, using Swift. Yeah. Um, I think Swift is like uh, the biggest uh, network uh, in which uh, TradFi money uh, flows through, right? Yeah, something like that. Uh, I mean, it's 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 really just a messaging protocol, right? Just like Chainlink is, especially for what they're building with CCIP. Um, and uh, XRP Bros must be in shambles after Swift has a new best friend. Yeah, actually, in the Chinese community, they've been talking about it uh, for years, you know, like, uh, but uh, to see that uh, it's actually coming to some kind of uh, fruition and uh, to see this, uh, like, uh, pilot actually establishing itself, I really think that, uh, you know, uh, if this thing uh, proves itself with time and uh, with scale, uh, the Chainlink mode will uh, be very hard to catch up to. Okay, so let's talk about laser talk. Yeah, just you got something, Gary? Just real quick before we move on, like as a survivor of the 2018 bear market, like I would have killed for hopium like this during the bear market. Like how <laughs> yeah. come like we get like announcements like this, ETFs on the way, and all of our favorite tokens are just down, down, down? Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, they wanted at home flipping. Because it's all a scam and it's going to zero, Garrett. That's yeah, why. Must be. <laughs> yeah. Sergey's got like fat bags that he's got to sell off to feed his family. Um, <clears throat> all right, let's talk about loser talk. You know how losers talk? This is how losers talk. <clears throat> Superviz, Superviz, uh, who is part of one of the Ethereum beacon chain community people. Uh, I probably should have found out more about him. But apparently he said these providers, these LSD providers are committed or in the process of committing to self-limiting to 22% of Ethereum's validator percentage uh this is how our chain will be successful coordination above greed cooperation instead of winner take all I, very loser talk here like these are all like competitors to these are all people complaining about lido that that they're just doing too good of a job and that nobody wants to use their services and they're they're kind of virtue signaling uh their their loser status in the face of the incumbent who actually has a lot of ETH. Like Lido has something like 33% of all ETH. Uh, you know, I, I, I just find these funny, right? <laughs> you know, Lido's made up, Lido's made up of what? Like 30 different uh, whitelisted validator groups, right? It's, you know, in, in theory, like it's not just one person running all the nodes. 
there's like 30 different val there's there's a bunch of different whitelisted people uh even rockpool has like you know it's it's supposedly decentralized so i i think this is i think it's a little bit funny so what about Leviathan? Should we also take this pledge that we as an organization will not get more than 22% of Ethereum validators or should we consider this clearing the field to grab second place? Hell no, we should we should be taking all the market share that we can get because you know, if you if all you right. if you have like loser talk like this, like oh, you know, we're small, we only have like okay, so outside of Rocketpool, Rocketpool has about like 4% market share right now. Uh Stakewise, Statter Labs, and Diva all are probably like less than one percent together. Um, and all right, yeah, you heard it here first. Leviathan commits to self-limiting to greater than twenty-two percent of the validators. Yeah, please let's let's get all of you the on E-Squid, Leviathan. Lock it up. Uh, so again, like th this is this is just like this is a lot of virtue signaling, and it doesn't actually do anything for the space. Like Lido is not going to change their direction, and. Uh, these these protocols should just build better lsds that people want to use and if they build something that's better and more competitive and you know incentivizes people to move away from lido and into their protocol then the the whole system will naturally balance out right it does you don't have to like because like none of these protocols are gonna, ever going to hit 22% that's the thing this is this is why this is so uh virtue signaling is because you know none of these people are ever going to have more than 20 percent. i would even like imagine like going forward if, if any of these hit more than 10 percent, i would be surprised of market share um yeah exactly 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 this is this is like this is like bing saying when we're the number one search in engine we'll 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 limit ads we're gonna just you know cap our revenues so that you know, we can we can let everybody else eat as well, too, <laughs> because we're, really what they want is they want Lido to impose some controls on themselves and divest of of about 10 percent of the total market share that they have uh, so that it can flow into them. And so this is entirely self-serving and and just completely moralizing and, and virtue signaling. Pretty sad. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know if I see things like as harshly as you do on that uh, angle, yet I can get your uh, point and where you're uh, coming from. I do agree with your uh, basic point to the fact that, uh, listen, markets are markets. If they want to, to compete, they have to offer a better product and to make people uh, like use their services because they earn more and not because they like uh, think it's uh, the more appropriate uh, thing to do or uh, anything like that, because uh, people will go where uh, money is paid. And I know that uh, a lot of people are uh, quite worried about uh, centralization risks around uh, Ethereum and Lido. But like you said, Lido is a very complex entity. And to the, the point of the matter is that stuff are not going to change. But, uh, Lido are not going to give up uh, market share and other uh, competitors won't gain market share by uh, asking for it. They will gain market share by creating uh, good products that will uh, attract some of that market share. For example, maybe uh, you'd uh, say that uh, Frax uh, did it in a way with uh, their uh, LSD once they uh, come out and uh, gain some market share for themselves. Maybe not huge yet, but uh, it's a long process, you know. Well, look, I mean, if, if this... 
22 arbit this arbitrary line that was drawn at 22 percent was so important and actually uh threatening to the overall health of ethereum like the, the community as a large would have instituted controls but there are no controls and there's no political will uh except with these these kind of like loser talk moralizing virtue signalers uh to to try to <clears throat> like put these like thinly disguised like claims out there right like <clears throat> it's like it's like when you have i don't know th think about it in like regular politics right when you have like people who come out and make these you know decrees about like what they would do or how they would act in certain situations but they, they're, they're never actually going to get into that position of power um it it just doesn't make sense i don't i don't particularly I don't particularly find it interesting. It's a bit, it's a bit sad, really. Because at the end of the day, like, what what is this tweet going to actually uh, do? Right? It got uh, them ten minutes of free airtime on Leviathan News. Yeah, that is true. Actually, that is true. We should probably move on then, because it's like. You know, at least we at least we identified it as like as as like, you know, loser talk here uh, and and we can just know which which protocols we should probably avoid for the long term. Um, because, I, again, like I don't even think I don't even think like, OK, let me just come back for one more point. Uh, have any of these protocols actually put this to a governance vote i thought these were like DAOs, right like uh, is there anything in their code that limits them to 22 percent? all of this would have to go to a vote and then there's nothing in these protocols code that that would stop them from going above 22 percent. and sure like the the core dev teams who made these virtue signaling commitments uh could say that they wanted to limit it at 22 percent, but if they're actually decentralized entities, you know, it takes a vote. And I don't think any of them have, have self-limit caps in the moment. So it's all, again, Correct. like... It got, it's, it got them 12 minutes of airtime. 12 minutes of airtime. Let's move on, because this is just sad. Yeah, but uh, also, like, uh, you know, it, it's one thing to say that you're going to limit yourself to 22%, but it's another thing when the money is actually knocking at your door to say, no, 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 I'm not taking that money anymore. Exactly, exactly. Token holders who benefit from increased revenues uh, by the size of their market share growing are going to cap out those revenues and say, oh, hey, no, like we don't want to grow anymore. We don't want any more revenues coming in. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just let somebody else take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not that's not how things usually uh, tend to happen. Let's say. All right. Uh, again, Let's let's talk about winners actually, and the clear winner of this past quarter has been Base. Base has been crushing it, and so, totally crushing it. Like Base is out there, is doing better than everybody else. They are the number one chain, L two, whatever you want to call it, uh, that has just been climbing up the rankings and. Let's see. Here we go. So the here's uh, flowing there was actually insane this month at the yeah, bear market. So, so here's uh, 
here's DeFi Llama's TVL charts. Wow. It's a wow. sea of red. <laughs> One month change for everybody except maybe Solana somewhere. Uh, no, Solana's negative as well too. Base, 4,000% increase in TVL over the past month. 100% uh, increase over the past seven days. One day change, 89%. So their TVL doubled in, in just under 24 hours at base. That is that's the aerodrome uh, stuff. Yes, yeah. So overnight, aerodrome uh, was able to attract. Uh, well, look at that. They're topping out with two hundred and four point seven million dollars of wow. of TVL wow. right that's, now. That's a lot exactly. of money, man. Yeah. So uh, aerodrome and wants to become Base's central liquidity hub. Uh, it's a fork of Velodrome. That's on optimism. So Velodrome took months to reach $170 million worth of TVL and Aerodrome has hit that in three days. So um, it's that's pretty crazy. That's incredible. Maybe we should actually. try and get someone on for them. Yeah. I'm I'm really, you know, it could be it could be that people are just farming the the exchange token. Uh, so we'll see how sticky those deposits are over the next month or so. But even still, to be able to attract that amount of liquidity in just a few days yeah. is is pretty incredible. Um, so now Base is the tenth largest network uh, by TVL and third biggest Ethereum layer two behind Arbitrum and Optimism, um, yeah. which is man, that, that that's actually kind of uh, crazy. You know, like uh, how much of that capital would you say is actually mercenary and will uh, like uh, quickly leave uh, Aerodrome or, or leave uh, base? Like, do you think it's mostly mercenary capital or uh, is it like uh, sticky stuff? Uh, optimism. It's an optimism roll up, so it has to take seven days to leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know how sticky it is, but it definitely is coming in size. And we'll see how much of it sticks over the next few months. But base is the place to be right now. Yeah, yeah. Definitely and, doing some great stuff this past month, for sure. Yeah, pretty awesome. Also, we, we had you Prisma all use What? Yeah, I Have you base. all used base? Other yeah. than friends that come in? I haven't yet. I have to say, like, I found the bridge was, like, quick, cheap. Um somehow like they i don't know if like they did like special optimizations to it or something but it was like super cheap to bridge some ethereum over to it um so just really impressed they did a great ui like a uh, great experience on base so far yeah and the the partnership with i mean like it being so close to coinbase or like run by coinbase is is going to help it in the long term because they'll have the best access to liquidity coinbase will just build all of their withdrawals bridges into it uh like I don't know if you use the the base bridge, but it's lightning fast, and uh, mm -hmm. fees are pretty cheap, and uh, it'll be like Coinbase's hub, which is pretty cool. Like you don't really see that. I mean, the the only other uh, example that I could give was like BNB Chain, right? And they've been able to do some pretty great stuff uh, just by just being so connected into Binance. I was just about to ask because I feel like some people have been making the comparison. This is basically Binance Smart Chain, but for Americans. Like, do you think that's just going to become the U.S. burger chain? Uh, maybe, but that's good, right? Because you think about like stablecoin liquidity flowing in, and 
uh, where institutions might feel safe going first. Because a lot of it, a lot of it is like, where is institutional capital going to flow? And if it's coming through Coinbase, like if you set up your Coinbase account, like maybe they'll start pushing people into, you know, Coinbase approved apps on on base or they'll have like you know we talked about that we talked about this yesterday they're going to be implementing some sort of like decentralized identity where they'll have walled gardens and other things that are more kosher for american users and institutions Does this open like people up to too much regulatory risk if the united states continues this war against crypto though uh no no no, no. i'm just talking about like apps that are being built on on top of it i don't I don't think it's I mean, Coinbase's biggest issue is that they run all the sequencers right now. And so they will need to um, eventually like offload that to something else. But that's a problem to have for later on. <laughs> um, OK, so big news launch of the day is prison finance has uh, filled its uh, wraps death debt cap within two hours. That's pretty cool. And then uh, as, wow. of, as of going live, they also filled their SFRAC seat debt cap. Oh, hey, look at that. How big, how big were those caps? Those were $6 million a cap per pool. Oh, right. Nice. So, so the only ones that are remaining are our ETH and, and Coinbase ETH as well. This could be tough because isn't our ETH limited to 22% of the total validators? <laughs> so let's just take a look at their uh, at their website. So Steth and Stakefraxeth are filled up. Areth and Coinbase still have so there's about two point five million dollars worth of Areth left and uh, four million dollars worth of of Coinbase ETH that can be deposited. Yeah. So at the moment I took a look at it this morning um, and did disclosure, I'm an investor in Prisma uh, for anyone. Um, all, most of it is flowing to these, um, uh, basically the equivalent, because it's like a liquidity fork of the uh, stability module on Prisma. Um, but it, you know, it's going to be used in the, much the same manner. Um, and it says that it's going to be getting rewards. Um, but at the moment, it doesn't look like the rewards are yet streaming to it. So it's unclear like uh, why people are in such a hurry to mint because it's capped yeah. and they want to be first. Yeah, they feel also they feel uh, it's a project uh, with the right connection to the right ecosystem and you know people are attracted uh, yeah. to it. If, if it feels yeah, it second, uh, that quickly. What's that? Yeah, the second largest source of liquidity is the uh, curve pool which is a uh, uh, frax uh, base pool and currently within that pool at least uh, maker or I'm sorry, not maker. MKUSD, as they're calling it, is uh, trading just like around like uh, the go peg. It's like a 98 cents due to the amount of like maker USD that's flooded into that one too. Uh, so is they're going through rewards? the governance. Not yet. They kicked up in the vote a day ago. I'm um, very likely it's going to pass. Uh, the vote to approve uh, their contract to whitelist VECRV is basically like the largest participation that we've seen in terms of VECRV votes since the convex vote. Um, just a ton of people wow. came out of like uh, the woodwork to vote using their VECRV on it uh, because there's, there's, I guess, like uh, some hope or expectation or whatever you want to call it, that people who voted on that were going to get like a little airdrop after the fact. So what uh, quite is a reasonable uh, assumption? probably. So <clears throat> maybe you can answer me this. Uh, this is probably the third or fourth 
liquidy fork that's using LSDs. Is there anything significant about Prisma versus like Libra or I can't remember the other ones that, that of what they will be doing? So my understanding from when I talked to them is that they also are kind of partnering a little bit with like Convex and Frax um, to kind of enmesh themselves a bit more into their governance. Uh, so we should be having some of the team on actually next week uh, to chat with us about it. So I'll hit up all you guys to get some questions for the team when they stop by. Uh, well, they are they are like llama connected right yeah they fundraised from basically everybody within DeFi, um with the exception of of course liquidity so kind of like the way i see it is it's like a little bit like the convex um convex uh stable coin almost so family and friends means they raised money from michael and c2tp maybe sam from frax uh llama nodes team who've been on as well too. And then uh, Team Lee and Bobby Ong from CoinGecko. Much, much and, more. And, and you, it got like, and Yeah, it got the, it, <laughs> it's so long that like, they, they didn't uh, have room to put my name on there. But like, I, I threw <laughs> like $3 in there, so. <laughs> uh, well, that's nice. Uh, it's good to see. So this will be like, you know, I can understand this actually because, um, Liquidity is not the uh, like when it comes to curve and convex and especially frax. Liquidity is not the friendliest. So having a a LSD forked version that is friendly towards these organizations uh, probably sits a little bit better with somebody, some people. Yeah, it also like liquidity is, seems to be very opposed for whatever reason to some of these like um, uh, you know. LSTs, um, whereas Prisma just going forward with exclusively LSTs, like I think that like it's just a much more attractive, like more attractive from the user's perspective, right? Like mm -hmm. just drawing the comparison to like Curve USD, there's like a ton of demand for using uh, SFRAX ETH to mint Curve USD, a ton of demand for using um, you know wrapped Steph. Uh, there's almost no demand for just using raw Ethereum. Uh, Liquidity really cares a lot about the concept of like decentralization, though. So I think that they much prefer like regular ETH, which is you know they consider yeah, they have more a... decentralized. Well, look, I I get their point, they right? Like they have a new V two coming, though. Uh, they are going to have they do. Uh, to add uh, yeah. LSD. And, uh, stuff. Like, well, look, not, no... uh, they will have a V one for just the raw ETH, but they are uh, like they know that so much capital is going on there, like they can't ignore it. You know? Yeah, and we don't get me wrong, but I. I think I think like the core liquidity contract where it's just raw ETH going in is is a great contract, right? If you're going to be minting stable coins against something that has no collateral risk or protocol risk, except for whatever smart contract you're using, like liquidity is the, the place to go. Like as soon as you introduce these LSDs, like now you're a derivative product that opens itself up to the contract risk. It, that is imparted by these other protocols. So like from Lido or from StakeFrax ETH, uh, like using raw ETH as the, as the, the collateral product uh, does have its advantages. And so like, it's not that like liquidity is bad. It's very core actually. Like if you think about like the, the most decentralized stable coin in the sense that, you know, the contracts are immutable. There is nothing that can be done to change them. And it uses, just raw ETH to for the input and output 
I mean, that's that is liquidity, right? I mean, that's that's what you yeah. want. Yeah, yeah. We got to get um, like I was, we got to get Token Bryce on next week. Also, if we're gonna give um Prisma time, we got to let Token Bryce uh give rebuttal or whatever. Um, like we're no, big I fans. Mean, of this, I, like, I, right? All yeah, I don't look. Like, I don't. I, I'm not. Look, I I don't. I, I think that like, you know, th th this is just other innovation. People trying to expand the design space of of liquidity to other assets, right? Like, I don't think it's wrong. Imitation severest form of flat, uh, sincerest form of flattery. Exactly, exactly. Like just like with the 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 aerodrome people who launched on base, like they're taking the velodrome uh, code, right? Um, everybody's going to fork something, and there's always going to be a million different variations. And uh, for some people who don't like for projects like Liquidity, which don't, or I mean, they can't. I mean, they can't add LSDs because there's only ETH. Uh, it takes other projects like these but to. With Ritu, they are doing it, Sam. With Ritu, they are uh, adding it. Like you know, they they will have their own contract of the doing it with uh, Roy. But I think that they understand the market uh, and see that uh, you know there's going to be so much liquidity and demand for this kind of stuff with uh, the LSDs that uh, they're going to have to do it as well. And with uh, the V2, it is coming. But it is going to be like quite interesting to see like the different uh, projects building on this uh, narrative of. Uh, like you know prisma liquidity competition is quite healthy to be honest yeah <clears throat> so llama 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 <laughs> okay so uh the host of a our last story it's kind of crazy uh garrett actually found this and it, the host of a U.S. crypto radio show is imprisoned for a $650,000 alpa alpaca farm fund. Okay, so Dana McIntyre, who hosted the Dana Crypto Show uh, and owned the Rasta Pasta Pizzeria in Beverly, Massachusetts, uh, has been... Uh, convicted and received a two-year pr prison sentence on wednesday for get this applying for over six hundred and sixty thousand dollars in the covid 19 uh ppp funds and use those ppp funds uh well he applied not just for himself but also for his two children from for two non-existent companies one which was called dana's dank pies uh, in the application, he claimed to have no work income despite still running and profiting from his pizzeria. He received uh, $17,000 from the government in 2020, September, and then filed for further COVID-19 relief in April 2020 for $660,000. Uh, he then sold his pizzeria and used most of the funds to buy eight alpacas and a farm in Vermont, which he ran as an Airbnb. <laughs> the loan also paid for airtime of his weekly crypto radio show that claimed to be the first and only weekly FM radio show on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. He also used the money to purchase a pickup truck, a vintage car, redecorate his kitchen and pay for cosmetic spa. There's also a picture of the uh, alpacas that he has right here. Beautiful. Beautiful. The girls. Should uh, have gone for that. I know. I know. It's kind of a shame because like it's pretty clear that he was misappropriating the funds um but on the other hand like there was i i would i would guess that like 
the plurality, if not majority of people who received COVID loans kind of use those towards like fraudulent purposes. So it really seems like a case of selective enforcement. Like he was, he clearly got some time on the FM airwaves. Like that's public goods. I'm sure talking about Bitcoin and whatnot so often on it, like rubbed some people the wrong way. So I think they went after him. And of course, you know, they found that he was misappropriating money. So that is on him. <clears throat> Two year sentence seems excessive, but I don't know. I mean, this PPP thing is not just about alpacas. Like, <clears throat> here's a story from the New York News recently, back in July, about how the government thinks that over two hundred billion dollars was was stolen. And right, spent but they go on, after like, this one guy. They don't go after the yeah. other two hundred billion worth. They go after the one guy who got less than a million. Yeah, yeah. M most yeah, of it, it actually. I read I read a report where most of it was stolen by like Russian and Chinese and uh, other scammers, North Korean scammers. Um, yeah, I mean, it pisses me off because I was running a small business and I couldn't get a loan. And I saw these other people getting loans and I was like, you know, a lot of the big people got loans. So, when you know, it was it looked like corporate welfare. Yeah. So a bunch of people are going to jail. You know, the government's very slow, but, uh, you know, a lot of people took a lot of money <laughs> and just used it to buy stuff. Uh, and probably like led to a lot of the inflation that we have now from these PPP loans. It was the, I mean, I don't want to like dig up like ancient history, but it was the biggest wealth transfer from the poor to the rich in human history. And no one talked yeah. about it at the time. Yeah, exactly. It's, it was a crime. <laughs> well, and the, the, it, it feels to me like when they went after Martha Stewart after the, um, was it 2000 financial crisis, 2008 financial crisis, like the only person who went to jail was Martha Stewart. Just because she was like uh, politically like someone that they wanted to knock out, um, it just it feels like it smacks of selective prosecution because the government has an agenda against crypto people. Um, <laughs> so it's like the two hundred billion dollars of the fraud they go after the one Bitcoin person. It's it's yeah yeah so it's something else. U.S. Attorney for Massachusetts said Dana McIntyre capitalized on national on a national catastrophe and stole hundreds of thousands of dollars from a limited pool of money set aside to help struggling businesses, said FBI Special Agent Jody Cohen. Today's sentence holds him accountable for his selfish criminal conduct. <laughs> oh, we'll man. See. We'll see. If we start seeing bigger players go to jail uh, for it, then, you know, I'll take it back. But if this is the only guy that, like, if this is the only fall guy, it's just, this is crazy. Yeah. Good point. <clears throat> so... They can, but the good thing is, is they can go after these forever, right? There is no, um, in cases of like wire fraud and tax fraud, I don't believe that there's a statute of limitations. So good luck. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, good it luck. Just, maybe it just hits close to home because we are also radio broadcasters and also have an affinity <laughs> for llamas. So yeah, I feel like they're like firing a warning shot across our bow. Leviathan's next. <laughs> You have a very good uh, point yes. there, Gilbert, because, uh, you know, selective enforcement is a huge deal because they go after who's ever uh, easy to catch. They don't go after who, whoever is actually, like, doing the worst uh, stuff. And uh, Yeah, they don't need to declare war on crypto. They could just only enforce the laws against crypto people, and they have uh, so many laws on the books that, like, they could nail literally everybody. Yeah, but yeah. We should keep our heads uh, up high. Like I think we're gonna give quite a battle uh, back, and I think this uh, we should remember it's a very long uh, game to win at. And also the world is big. Like we, when at some points, like a door closes, uh, at other places a door uh, opens uh, many times. 
<laughs> not we'll not this in the lumber. Yeah, yeah. Not, not yeah, many exactly. doors are open over there, yeah. <laughs> the wrong door. Yeah. We'll win in the long run. We we'll win in the long run. I just see all the like excess yield we see in DeFi is the extra risk of all this kind of like tangential stuff coming to like nail people. Wait, 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 I want to ask you guys a short question about uh, the Prisma stuff uh, from mm -hmm. earlier. Do you think that uh, if they, instead of using like RETH and CBETH uh, caps, if they had like bigger uh, caps for uh, wrapped staked ETH and uh, FRX ETH, do you think they'd feel it uh, as well? Because I, I think, I think that, it's coming. Uh, yeah, but uh, I like, think they uh, might wait till. Yeah, yeah. I'd guess, and I have no knowledge here, that they just kind of wait till after the airdrop goes through. Um, so, like, that way they can kind of, like, get a measure of who was, like, early and, like, kind of snapshot that. That would be my hunch if I were running it. Yeah. Oh, guys, actually, I forgot the juicy, leaving the juiciest story for last. Whoa. Yeah. Breaking news. <laughs> Good one. Uh, do, do we want to talk about Ben Armstrong and the ongoing saga drama in his life? Okay, so why not indeed? <clears throat> last week, Ben Armstrong said that he, or sorry, BitBoy Crypto Group said that they were cutting ties with Ben Armstrong. They said that he had relapsed into substance abuse and that he just was no longer a positive yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna bring it up in a second uh yeah so here's the story from coin market cap um let me bring this up so he was being cut out yes yeah? so yesterday bj investment holdings took decisive legal action removing ben armstrong from the company it's called bj investment holdings yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they accused him and they accused him of like drug misuse like in response uh ben came out and posted a drug test saying that he had not been taking heroin amphetamines cocaine marijuana opiates or pcp um yeah that's actually a nice mixture i wonder what you call it. if you mix all of those together those six drugs I wonder what that's called. What did they accuse him of taking? Like, what, nah. what kind of drug did they say that he's using? Not, who who knows? Who knows? Um, did he have this drug test handy, or did he just run out and get a drug test? Yeah, when did right he get it? Place? He got it down on the 29th of... So I guess he got it, like, immediately afterwards. <laughs> Weird, man. Come so on. they published this. He immediately goes out, gets a drug test, and uh, says, like, no, I'm not on drugs. Um, even though these are like, there's other drugs than these, right? Like, I, I don't see any sort of like benzos or any other, like what, what other drugs are we missing here, right? Uh, so there's heroin, amphetamines, cocaine, marijuana, opiates, PCP. Um, there was, uh, yeah, yeah. LSD is not on the list, but I don't think they can really like test for that pretty well. Uh, yeah, but also, we, we all know what kind of drug uh, the chat is asking about. You know? Yeah, I don't see any uh, any chips on here. Any nacho yeah. cheesier? <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's the kind of drugs I think Pimps is asking. Yeah. 
so yeah, and then and then yeah, that isn't that a little weird? He just like comes out and says like, "Here's a drug test." Um, but some yeah. tweets were deleted. I'm not actually sure what this is in response to. Maybe I'm blocked or something, or they were deleted. Uh, but the drug test came back, and then later on, yesterday, uh, it was found out there was a a video that was posted. Uh, where I'm not actually able to find it, but it was some guy talking with Ben. I'm, I'm not sure who the guy was, uh, but b like they were talking about Ben having an affair with his wife, uh, which was a result of his like substance abuse. Um, and it was a little strange. Apparently he had a uh, affair with Cassandra Wolf, who's known as the, the Duchess of... DeFi. Um, oh, she's gorgeous. I was expecting a real troll. Yeah, yeah. And then he comes out yesterday uh, in later, and he he publicly apologized with his wife for disappointing his fans and shared details about his uh, relationship and the use of substances, specifically steroids. Wow. So he's 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 fucking juicing. That explains like that explains a lot of this, right? When he's like, I'm here fighting for you. This ah, guy with these freaking rage. glasses on, this douchebag. So that explains a lot of the roid rage. Whoa. Yeah. But uh what is even going on? I mean, it, it explains a lot. He's like juicing hard, right? And you know, just wants to like slide into somebody's DMs. Um uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah. Yeah, I'm okay I with it. Yeah, showed her as boy bits. Yeah, yeah. Are you guys okay with steroids? Because I like, you know, he's like a 40 to 50 year old man, like, you know, testosterone replacement or whatever yeah. he's doing to stay jacked. Like, also, what are you going to do? Ban it? Like, people, if you ban it, people will get it illegally. Like, what's the difference, you know? So, if, if, if a needs to use something, they're going to use it. Like, uh, you're not going to be able to stop them either way. TLT, like, let's uh, get them on the I, show. Because I feel like we're we're being very one sided <laughs> against him. Let's hear his side of the story. No, I'm I'm for I'm all for steroid use and uh, but not not the cheating side, but like just roiding out. Uh, I think is I think is acceptable. I like come <laughs> on guys. Like he just wants to get ripped and and probably you know he's like in his fifties. He wants to feel like he's like twenty five again. Like let's not get the man down. Uh, yeah. But specifically coming back to the drug test, right? So. The drug test didn't have any steroids on there. It was just for like illicit drugs like PCP, yeah. which no. Do you know anybody that's actually done PCP before? Because I don't. I don't think so. No, <laughs> no. PCP is not like cool, guys. Like, you know, you either got to do the Fetty or, you know, just shoot up some, shoot up that, shoot up that tea. Um, it's some extreme stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not your normal DeFi uh, stuff, like <laughs> not some simple yield farming to, to start the day. Or... Exactly. Well, we'll end it there, and we'll continue to follow the ongoing case of Ben Armstrong and his baddies. <laughs> uh, Garrett, DeFi advisor, always a pleasure. Goodbye, folks. Yeah, see you all later.